Welcome to the Visegrad Inside podcast from Central Europe on Central Europe. This week there are national elections in Lithuania. Also, Lithuania has been one of the leading voices, if not the leading voice, on Belarus in Europe. At Visegrad Inside podcast, we decided to look into the affairs of Lithuania and the potential impact the election might have on Lithuania's ambitions. Moreover, we are asking the question about the future ambitions of Lithuania as a EU's regional power. Joining our podcast this week is Marcin Zaborowski editor-in-chief of Respublika Nova and a senior associate at Visegrad Insight, formerly executive director of the Polish Institute of International Affairs, and Monika Bichkuskajte, program uh, officer at the German Marshall Fund Warsaw office, who has really insightful piece on Lithuania's regional impact. Quincy, let's begin. The expectation for the upcoming parliamentary election in Lithuania is that there probably shouldn't be a big pivotal moment for Lithuanian politics in the sense that there's likely to be another similar coalition as is the case now. How is the region looking at this upcoming election in Lithuania? Not a major change is expected to come out of the uh, forthcoming elections in uh, in Lithuania uh, in the sense that you probably we probably will have a switch from the current center-left government to a more conservative led by the homeland union uh lithuanian christian democrats who are currently polling first in various opinion polls uh, and they're also referred to as conservatives we had them in government before uh, christian democrats are uh, went in the meantime through through a change. Uh, they are more uh, modern party now. They are being led by um, a young uh, Landsbergis, Gabrielius Landsbergis, uh, is the son of the um, legendary um, Sayudius leader, um, and he tipped uh, the former finance minister Ingrida Shimonita for a possible uh, prime minister. However, that choice, if it comes about, it will, is contested within the party itself. So, which is split between a socially conservative and uh, and, and more moderate uh, moderate wing. Um, the second, uh, in the opinion polls um, that comes up here uh, in Lithuania, uh, is the current uh, party, the, the, the uh, party of current government. And that's Lithuania's former um, Farmers and Greens Union, uh, which um, which has been in government for the last two years, uh, and it has its prime minister. Um, it's uh, it's basically a centre-left uh, party, which, however, uh, most importantly, is basically a party owned by an oligarch, uh, by an oligarch, uh, Raumunus Karbaukis. Uh, who is one of the richest men in Lithuania, and he has, you know, strong interests uh, in uh, in maintaining power, uh, and probably his power uh, reaches outside of his particular party. Um, and then we also have social democrats who have been in government many times, many times before. Uh, each of these three parties, the conservatives, the farmers, and social democrats. Uh, Score a bit between 
12 to 15 uh, percent in the opinion polls. So um, each of these parties can actually win, can come at the top of the of the elections, but it's still uh, not clear whether they would be able to actually form uh, the government because they will need a coalition. Probably one of the most interesting changes to come up might be uh, might be the situation in which the current uh, foreign minister, um, who is the most recognizable face of Lithuania, Linas Linkevichus, will uh, not make it into the parliament. Um, and the reason for this is that uh, the, uh, the now uh, the Linas Linkevichus is now uh, running from uh, a party. Uh, which is a splinter group from the Social Democrats, is a Social Democrat and Labour Party. Um, that's a party which has been uh, set up from the dissidents of the uh, of uh, Social Democrats who decided to stay in the government. They are in government currently, even though Social Democratic Party has left the elections, it has uh, left the, the government. Uh, so uh, the party of Linas Linkevichus is not doing very well in the opinion polls. It gets between two to three percent. So we might see a situation when uh, Linkevichus is no longer in the government. Lithuanian Foreign Minister Linas Linkevichus is arguably the most uh, well-known and visible face of this Lithuanian government. How is he perceived abroad and is it likely that he will stay at the helm of Lithuania's foreign policy in the next years? Well, Linkevichus is certainly the, the most recognizable face of the Lithuanian politics. I, I think that most people don't really know who the Lithuanian president or prime minister is. But everybody who's a little bit aware of the foreign policy of the EU knows of, of heard of Linas Linkevichus. Uh, he's the greatest asset to this government and he's the most recognizable face of this government. Uh, and there is no doubt that Linkevichus has been very instrumental, has been in a very instrumental and forceful in, um, a, in promoting the uh, Eastern policy of the European Union, uh, and a new approach towards Belarus, uh, as well as uh, you know a certain position on uh, on Russia. Uh, so that's that's the man who um, is comfortable in Brussels. He is respected in Brussels. He's known in Brussels. Um, he also has excellent contacts in Washington. He really is an asset to Lithuania. However, as I argued formerly. It is possible that his party will actually not make it to the government. Uh, if that's the case, then uh, it's unclear whether uh, he will be poached by some other party that wins the election, and that could be the farmers or it could be the Social Democrats. If if that's the case, uh, or whether he will actually find uh, himself outside the mainstream of. Uh, of, uh, of national politics uh, and find himself outside of the parliament, uh, the same as, which would be uh, certainly uh, a loss for Lithuania. Lithuania has played a very proactive role when it comes to the protests in Belarus, 
but how would you more generally evaluate its foreign policy with regard to Belarus, but also Russia, and then perhaps also the Three Seas Initiative, which is becoming quite uh, significant as a regional framework for the region? As for the Lithuanians, uh, as for the Lithuanians uh, foreign policy and especially its eastern policy, there is no doubt that the nation of about three million uh, is certainly punching above its weight. Uh, the Lithuanian foreign minister Leonas Linkevichus uh, is is the leader currently of EU uh, policy towards the eastern partners. Uh, Lithuania has been more forceful, most clear, uh, and uh, the strongest voice in uh, shaping the EU approach towards current protests in Belarus. Uh, formerly, Lina Zlinkevichus also made very strong statements on relations with Russia. He's been also uh, an architect of uh, Lithuania's a reapprochement with Poland. So uh, certainly, uh, Lithuania for Lithuania's foreign policy is 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 now uh, is is now um, uh, has now the status of the uh, of foreign of uh, um, of an agent that Poland used to have in many respects. Now it's no longer Poland that is the leader of EU policy towards the east. It is Lithuania, even though it's, it's a small nation, uh, it can not be a very big bureaucracy, but but uh, the personality of Linus Linkevichus ensures that uh, that um, remains the case. However, uh, as argued formally, it's not clear whether Linkevichus will actually stay in the government, which would be, again, that would be a loss for Lithuania. As for the Free Seas Initiative, I don't think that Lithuania has particularly strong interest directly in the Free Seas Initiative. It has uh, it has interesting relations with Poland, uh, which are currently quite good. Uh, and Poland is invested in Free Seas Initiative, at least under the current administration. And as long as Poland will remain invested in Free Seas Initiative, and as long as uh, Linkevichus is actually running Lithuanian foreign policy. He will make sure that Lithuania is uh, supporting Poland's position on on that um, on that initiative. Uh, however, Lithuania itself uh, is really uh, has spe- has has got the specialism of expanding its foreign policy uh, approach towards. Uh, the uh, countries of Eastern Europe, and in particular Belarus and uh, and Ukraine, perhaps Georgia, uh, Azerbaijan, and so on. This is the area of real interest for Lithuania. You're listening to the Visegrad Insight podcast on Central Europe from Central Europe. If you like this podcast, please share on your favorite social media platform and also write to us, contact at visegradinsight.eu and send us your feedback on the recent episode, the format in general, in your ideas, who should we invite next time? Monica, in the light of your recent article, a blog post at the German Marshall Fund website, Um, I'd like to ask you the question that is the title of this article. The question is, can Lithuania become an EU regional leader in the midst of the Belarus crisis? What's your take on that? 
Hi, Wartek. Thank you for having me at your podcast and for mentioning the article. Indeed, as I argue in the article, I do believe that Lithuania can become a regional leader. And why do I believe so? So Lithuania has already showed its potential during the crisis in Belarus. We have been the first country to really show our full-fledged support to Belarus and to the people of Belarus. So first of all, we have denounced uh, Lukashenko as the president of Belarus, and we have claimed that Svetlana Tikhonovskaya is really the president-elect. And we have allowed her to reside in Vilnius, and we have helped her in her quest for freedom, in her meetings with foreign leaders, such as President Emmanuel Macron just last week. But we have also uh, showed our support in the EU. Our Minister of Foreign Affairs, Lina Slinkavitis, really has been urging the EU to move faster in its support for Belarus. In addition to that, Lithuania has developed other capabilities that could allow it to become regional leader. And those mainly are the cyber capabilities, because Lithuania really has cyber capabilities that are not only on organizational governmental level, but also on the societal level. We have people who call themselves elves. This is the movement that is trying to combat Russian trolls in Lithuania. So this, these are people who are fighting against fake news and disinformation. So the whole society is really, really engaged in this. And so Lithuania has unique value proposition for the EU when it comes to cyber defense and cyber capabilities. And so it can really capitalize on these capabilities in order to have a greater role in the EU. However, I am also aware that a lot of people will say that Lithuania is too small to become a regional leader. And that is that is a serious concern that people may raise. But at the same time, I think that we have this geopolitical position that allows us to become a mediator between Eastern partnership countries and the rest of the EU. So uh, when it comes to crises like this in Belarus, we have already showed that we can become this mediator and a leader and take these necessary steps in order to help these countries to reach the EU, to be heard by the EU. And I think that this is just a role that we are developing and can be developed even greater in the future, allowing to become a regional leader. Thanks, Monica. This is really a heartwarming message about Lithuania and very encouraging uh, when it comes to the prospects of the country with the right message about the region. Now, uh, talking about the regional format, we have a number of formal and informal uh, groupings of countries in the region. And I wanted to ask you where Lithuania positions itself or how Lithuania looks at the formats that has been proposed and have been developed over the last years. The Visegrad group, the Three Seas uh, initiative, uh, also the North Baltic Eight, um, the, the group of countries around the Baltic Sea or any other groupings. Um, does Lithuania see those formats as useful ones, as uh, key elements of its regional uh, policy and ambitions? Or it is much more uh, pivoting towards the EU itself um, with the help of individual countries rather than the regional formats? So personally, I think that regional formats are extremely important for Lithuania and the region itself. 
I wouldn't see it, however, as a dichotomy where Lithuania has to choose whether to go with these regional formats or the EU. On the contrary, um, by strengthening the region, I think that we strengthen the EU as well. Because, for example, such projects as the Treaties Initiative are not only political, but they are also infrastructural. So currently, we are lacking infrastructure in the region and between these countries. And such projects would develop this infrastructure that is currently missing, meaning that the region will become more developed and more integrated and thus the EU would become more developed and integrated as well. So I think everything really goes hand in hand, but it is very, very important for countries like Lithuania, who, I, as I already mentioned, are sometimes considered to be small, to have these formats where we can discuss our problems and our interests. Because sometimes our interests, unfortunately, do diverge with other, and I would say bigger European countries. And I think that was extremely visible during the visit of French President Emmanuel Macron in Vilnius just recently. So it is important for us to have these platforms where we can discuss um, our issues and interests between the region and like-minded countries and try to solve these issues before we try to bring them to the EU if we do bring them at all, because sometimes maybe we can solve, for example, these infrastructural issues within the region first. But at the same time, I would like to mention that Lithuania isn't really united when it comes to regional formats versus the EU, because um, it really depends on the administration. For example, our previous president, Delegri Boskete, was not always agreeing with uh, Visegrad countries and sometimes would see herself and Lithuania as more pro-European than pro-regional. So it really depends on administration, on the political climate in the country. And the skeptics would say that these regional formats could, for example, divide the EU even more or, for example, diminish NATO, which for Lithuanians is not really an option because we really rely on NATO for our security. So what I, what I said previously is more of my opinion, and I believe that we have different perspectives in Lithuania. On one hand, we do believe that we need to strengthen the region, we need to lead the region, and we need to develop these capabilities in the region. But on the other hand, we do want to be in the EU and we want uh, the EU to support us as much as we support the EU and NATO as well. Thank you, Monica. Not only for the account of uh, Lithuanian foreign policy as it is today, but for a clear explanation what the regional formats are within the European Union. Now let's have a look at the recent visit of Emmanuel Macron to Vilnius, when um, the country is actually in the pre-election mode, the national election is this week, this weekend. Um, and as you said, uh, depending on the constellation in the government, some foreign policy uh, may change. So what are the main takeaways from the uh, visit of the French president uh, in Lithuania? And secondly, uh, what is, uh, in your opinion, expected uh, in terms of the electoral result um, and the potential configuration that may impact uh, foreign policy of your country? So first of all, I am very happy that we are touching upon the visit of President Macron in Lithuania, because I think that the way this visit is portrayed in international media and the message that the president was trying to um, give in Vilnius and the way Lithuania sees it is very different. So this visit was definitely a long-awaited visit. This is the first visit in 19 years, but I don't think that it broke any new grounds because on the contrary, what it confirmed was that Macron really pursues this France first policy that includes security focus in Sahel, 
revamp dialogue with Russia and European strategic autonomy. And these are the policies that are not necessarily favorable to the Baltics, because while European defense structures are very important, Lithuania cannot imagine its security without the American presence in Europe. And that was confirmed by our president after the meeting. And I don't think that Lithuania sh should envision its security without American presence. And why? It is because while Macron proposes an autonomous European defense, the Elysee is definitely not jumping on the idea of European nuclear deterrent. And for us, having this nuclear guarantee is paramount in Lithuania and the Baltics because we have this conventional weakness created by the Suvalki Corridor. And so conventional defense is not enough for us as a guarantee to guarantee our security and stability in the region. So these promises are just not sufficient for Lithuania at the moment. And of course, on the other hand, President Macron offered a few olive branches in Vilnius. He met with uh, Belarusian opposition leader Svetlana Tikhanovskaya. He, he pledged his support for free Belarus. And he also offered a closer cooperation between France and the Baltics in the fields of cybersecurity and election inter interference, which is very important now in the time before the election. However, personally, I also see these gestures as some sort of a facade, because while Lithuania would lead the cyber fights against Russia on France's behalf and help France, Paris would still save its space as Moscow's friends. So this is a win-win for France and barely an accomplishment for Lithuania, because again, I don't see Paris as our close supporters in this. Uh, hence, in my opinion, and in what I, I've read from the official statements, Macron's visit really attested that Paris and Vilnius are headed towards different policy directions because France desires to build a more powerful Euro Europe, while Lithuania aims to ensure that this stronger Europe concept really consists of all countries and considers diverse security concerns. So if France wants to create this autonomous Europe that is united, it is essential for Paris to stop viewing the Baltics as a sphere of Russian influence and to help the region to build a real resilience against Moscow rather than inviting the Kremlin into European policy making debate and saying that we have to have this dialogue with Russia, where Russia acts on, on its own terms. And, and we had, you know, the poisoning of Navalny that Russia just committed recently. And th these are the means um, that Russia prefers to dialogue. So that's what Lithuania thinks. And that's what, what was shown during this visit of President Macron. So I am, of course, uh, a little bit skeptic and Lithuania is a bit skeptic because we haven't heard really some assurances that Lithuania will be prioritized, Baltics will be prioritized. What we heard was dialogue with Russia. What we heard was European strategic autonomy with not so many guarantees for Lithuanian or Baltic security. When it comes to parliamentary elections, I think it is always hard to predict uh, which parties will win and form the government. Currently, we have 17 parties running. However, I believe that in times like these, when we have a global pandemic and global crisis, we have this incumbents advantage. And what do I mean by that? What I mean is the fact that we see the members of the current government on TV every day talking about COVID situation, talking about what's happening in the world. So they're more simply more visible, more known. And now when it's hard to conduct campaigns, um, the incumbents really do have an advantage. However, in Lithuania, we do have this tradition of not voting for the current government. 
Um, usually that's what happens. So I think that if we look at different perspectives and other parties, um, the parties that have a longer tradition in Lithuania, that have better structure, that are not, let's say, new, um, that are more well-known and respected, have better chances in this election because, uh, precisely because we are in this moment of global crisis and pandemic. So people believe that these parties have more um, stability and would be more capable, perhaps, uh, to act in, in the times of these crises. So we have s several traditional parties in Lithuania that usually get a fair share of, uh, of votes. So I believe that these parties will have the votes this year as well. And when it comes to the foreign policy after the election, well, I think that Lithuania has these core national interests in foreign policy that will be respected regardless of the outcome of the elections. And those are, of course, primarily our security and defense, so our security and resilience from Russia. Uh, so uh, having a strong defense, having, as I said before, the U.S. in Europe is really important for us to have strong NATO that would, um, you know, help us to guarantee our security and build our resilience is paramount. So I don't think these things change regardless of the government. As I also mentioned previously, we might have some changes when it comes to um, supporting European initiatives versus regional initiatives. Um, however, but whichever policy will be more beneficial to our, our security, I think that that is what we will follow. And of course, Lithuania wants to develop economically um, and want to develop its trade and its regional positions in that as well. So that will be probably considered by the new government and cyber initiatives probably will be continued as this is something that we are building as our value proposition in the country. So these are the prospects that I see right now for our foreign policy. Thanks, Monica. That's really reassuring. Now the last question. As we speak today, um, this is Tuesday, 6th of October, Poland and Lithuania are recalling their ambassadors back from Minsk. Belarus demanded to limit uh, the number of diplomatic staff of our countries. And uh, now the, there is a recent development that requires constant pre uh, presence um, and uh, continuous effort on behalf of our countries. In case of Lithuania, the voice of the MFA has been the leading voice across Europe. And based on this performance, among other, uh, you're making the claim about the future role, regional role of Lithuania uh, in Europe. Do you think it's possible that there would be another candidate to replace um, the current minister? Uh, should the election result indicate that? And uh, what could be a potential impact? So as you mentioned, our foreign minister, Linus Linkavages, really has been the most vocal voice for Lithuania in this Belarus crisis. But also I would say he was probably one of the most vocal voices for Europe. And whether there would be a change after the election? Well, that is possible as after every election. And I think that we have some candidates that are more suited than the others to take such a position and such post. However, it is hard to predict who it would be. It would really, really depend on the personality, how the situation would develop. And of course, Lithuania has some candidates 
who are running right now in the election, who have previously served in European Parliament and international organizations, and who are already known on European and worldwide levels. So we have some candidates who would be suited for this job. At the same time, of course, we have some candidates who may not have as much of experience as Minister Linkavich has right now. So it will really depend on the personality, as I already said. But regardless of who is the minister, I think that uh, Linus Linkavich, the current minister, will remain in his personal capacity a really strong supporter for free builders. And since he already has this visibility and he's well known, I think he will keep advocating for Lithuania, for Europe and for free builders. And also, I think the new minister, if there is one, would probably still continue on this mission for Lithuania to support free Belarus and uh, definitely try to um, still persuade Europe to support uh, free Belarus as well. However, the success would uh, really depend on that personality. And of course, we would see a, a slowing down in the process of Lithuania becoming this leader because this new person might not be as well known as uh, the current minister and would still need to establish himself or herself in, in this field of European politics. So we would definitely see some sl slowing down of, um, of this uh, campaign for free builders that we have right now from Lithuania. But hopefully, regardless of that, we can still maintain our strong position. We can still advocate and still become this regional leader that I really aspire Lithuania to be one day. So hopefully the election results allow us to do that. And I'm wishing the best to my country and really encouraging people, if they're listening right now, any Lithuanians to go and vote because it is really essential to cast our ballots and to choose our next government. Thank you for having me on this podcast. It has been a real pleasure and talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned and we'll speak soon in a week. And that's all for now. Subscribe to our podcast, our weekly newsletter and daily Twitter feed for insights on Central Europe, from Central Europe.